I'm Mac. And I'm Leah. And we are virtually BFFs. Pretty. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to come through the recording, but. (laughs) That's all right. Um, So today is very exciting because we are not just going to be rambling about our stream of consciousness. (laughs) We're going to have a focused one and it's going to be around music, specifically our favorite albums. And can we just talk about how this was so hard for me? Because, okay, it was hard for multiple reasons. One, because I listen to so much music and it's very hard to narrow it down. But two, I'm not necessarily a person like that listens for like more pop or like indie music that listens to a full album. Like I have specific songs I like, but there's very few albums and I know all of the songs on it. (laughs) See, that's weird because I'm the opposite. Mm -hmm. Where like I... The way I listen to music and the way I consume art in general, I'm realizing I go through an artist first. Oh, so it starts with me okay. liking a song. Then I listen to the album. If I like the album, I go to the artist. Mm-hmm. And once I've expunged all the dopamine I can get from there, I move on to the next one. That's so interesting because I just listen to like playlists that have individual songs and then That's... just pick which ones I like. Yeah. yeah, I don't do I listen to albums like playlists because I love that cohesion. I it really makes so much sense. Like, yeah. I wish I was more that way. <laughs> it's, I mean, it has its trade-offs, you know. Yeah. So, okay. So we each chose five favorite albums. And then I think we both have at least one. I have a few honorable mentions. Yes. I have three honorable mentions because I okay. am very indecisive. That's how many I have too, because I'm also indecisive. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Okay. Bye. So since we're not going to be going into detail, I mean... Do you want to just list yours off? I think we should do it like as if we were ranking ours, which we're not. But I think we should do it right before we list our last one. Oh, that's a good idea. I like that actually. Yeah. Okay. So do you want to start with your first album? I can. Okay. So my first one is a Broadway musical. That's not true. It's actually still a concept album, but it should be a Broadway musical. It's called Starry. And I am going to read like a little synopsis for all of my musicals just to like help it make more sense yeah okay starry is a story about the thousands of letters between vincent and theo van gogh and their journey together to find the power of expression um set to a contemporary pop rock score dehan and d'angelo's musical begins with theo van gogh an esteemed art dealer and businessman in the busy bustling borough of montmartre in paris trying to balance reality with dreams When his brother Vincent shows up unannounced in Theo's apartment, he turns Theo's world upside down. As they struggle with the new normal, they push each other to become the best versions of themselves, which includes Theo taking a leap of faith with a woman named Jo and Vincent refining his craft. However, the noise of the world begins to chip away at their bond with Theo's successes paralleling Vincent's failures. After a messy altercation at the local cafe, Theo and Vincent hit an impasse. Forced to go their separate ways, they struggle to find a light in the darkness. With one in Paris and the other in Arles, the once hopeful Vincent's health begins to deteriorate before his brother's eyes. It seems like all hope is lost, but together and with the help of Joe, they eventually find an unbreakable bond more powerful than anything they could ever have known, a starry night. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds like a lot. Speed run summary. This is like one of my favorite musicals. I don't have a top favorite musical because I just like love them all. Um, 
but I highly recommend people listen to it. I think the music in it is so beautiful. Um, and like the lyrics of it are so poetic and beautiful. I really want to get a like starry inspired tattoo at some point um, just because like I find it so inspirational and I love the idea that it's based off of the actual letters between them like that's uh, yeah. just such a cool concept to me and like finding out which lines in the songs are like actual lines from their letters is super cool um and he's like one of my favorite artists so obviously I'm going to love yeah, totally. a musical about him but everyone should listen to it because I think it's a beautiful album that's amazing so you're yeah. what genre is it I remember you mentioned something about that but I don't want to miss yeah it, so. so it's a Broadway musical but it's like a contemporary pop some rock musical so yeah wow okay that sounds really interesting it's so yeah, I don't I'm not super into musicals, but like, I know that, you know, Hamilton was about like the rap inspiration. So yeah. It's interesting there's still like the cross genre thing there with that. That's so mm -hmm. cool. And especially with like more contemporary musicals, I feel like each new like contemporary musical is really trying to like find its place in incorporating the more like pop or like secular styles um, while trying to tie it together in more of a like classic Broadway way. Yeah, yeah, completely. That's awesome. So like, what would you say are a few top tracks? Um, hold on, let me pull up the album. Okay. I've got a different one open. Some notes for myself, just because I'm realizing it's too much to have. Yeah. Worry about dead air time. I'm going to there for a reason. Um, this is so hard because I love all of the songs on it. <laughs> um <laughs> i love both the sower and the road oh also like the names of most of the songs are names of his actual paintings um but Ooh. i love the sower and the road because it features the whole cast in them um and it kind of does it this isn't just in hamilton but i feel like it got popular in hamilton um but like the multiple different parts going over each other and overlapping it at once but i also love um the finale which is called wheat fields um because in part of it it takes out a piece from i think it's one of vincent's letters to theo um, and it basically talks about how their love and their relationship was one of the few things in his life that really made him feel free and like just broke away the chains that he felt. Uh, and this musical makes me cry like every time that I listen to it all the way through. That'll be a theme for all of, <laughs> all of the musicals that I mentioned today make me cry <laughs> when I listen That's to them so... all the way through for very oh. different reasons. Like this one is just like the beauty of it and how it's written mm -hmm. is like what gets me in this one. And the other ones are a little bit more story-based of why they make me cry. Yeah, yeah. No, that's what I, that's like the good thing about musicals is like you can listen to it, or like at least a good musical, you can listen to it as a song and then as a part of this mixed media yeah. experience. And that's really interesting. Exactly, yeah. And the nice thing is I feel like this is, it's not technically like a Broadway musical yet. Um, it's like a concept album 
to become on Broadway. But it is, I feel like, a good starter album for people that want to listen to musicals because it's only like 50 something minutes. Um, so it's like oh definitely, <laughs> but like for Broadway musicals, that is. Oh, like I know. Your I know. <laughs> okay, what's your first one? So I decided this is kind of a personal chronological order. It might actually be chronological too with the releases. Mm -hmm. um, we have, and I am serious. The Fame Monster by Lady Gaga. <laughs> now, you, I know you think I'm joking, but you I have know to understand this album. <laughs> so, that's even worse. <laughs> um, this album, I'm not kidding, was formative mm -hmm. in my childhood. You know, The Fame uh -huh. came out in 2008. Yeah. And I remember my grandmother sent me a pirated CD of The Fame. <laughs> and I remember when I would be in. <laughs> I, when I lived in Rock Rimmon, I remember I'd be on the family computer playing paparazzi, which is probably Such a good the song. reason I'm a homosexual, that song. Oh um, and when she got to the part where she said that shit on the radio, I would turn off the speaker so I, I wouldn't hear the bad word. Yeah. So, yeah. But I chose the fame monster because, you know, it came out a year later. Yeah. And in that year, you can tell the, the massive difference between the consistency and her artistry and her style because mm -hmm. the fame itself is a good album but yeah. you have songs like summer boy like disco heaven that are really good songs but they sound like pop songs not like lady gaga songs but mm -hmm. the fame monster all of the new eight songs are insanely good there is no bad song on this album it's incredible so for me top tracks are of course paparazzi could not leave that off, of um so happy i could die Mm -hmm. because I too want to be in a club with a bottle of red wine right now, but that's not That's so fair. <laughs> mm -hmm. And Monster, because that boy is a monster. It's such a good song. So, yeah. yeah. And I don't know if you're familiar. A lot of people know like the cover art for the, or I guess the album art for mm -hmm. the fame monster with her in that like, with like the bangs and in that like yeah. coat, but there's a separate like EP for just the fame monster with only those eight songs okay. and it's this beautiful picture of her with like long black hair crying in black and white it's gorgeous That's such a vibe. and i wish i like i would want a poster of that not even like a fan way because i don't consider myself really like a like i guess i think her fans yeah the little monsters i don't consider myself part of that but mm -hmm. i just think it's beautiful aesthetically yeah like, i would want a poster even like fan, fan of hers aside mm -hmm. um yeah, with that, with, I I chose to only put like one album per artist on the list. And this really, I'd only put one of hers either way. Yeah. But there's no other choice just for me, knowing the, like literally the <laughs> impact that the, the fame had on me. Yeah. The impact that the songs from the fame monster had. I mean, this had bad romance. This oh. had, this had um Alejandro. Yeah. This had dan Dance in the Dark. How, I, <laughs> Silicone, saline, inject me, baby. I'm a free bitch. <laughs> I mean, damn. So my first album is The Fame Monster. Nice. How about your second? Okay, so my second is the album Chapters by James T.W. Um, so the songs in it aren't related, but they all focus around the idea of various relationships in your life and relationships that you have at different points in your life. So this was actually his debut album, but his song um, 
When You Love Someone came out three years, I think, before this album came out. Um, and it got pretty popular. So I'm sure like some people have probably heard it, whether they know it's by him or not. Um, but What's the song called again? When You Love Someone. I just want to see. This is not familiar. Sorry. Um, anyways. Good. Yeah. So basically for people listening, uh, the when you love someone is basically um a parent talking to their child and the parents are getting a divorce um but basically it's talking about how like i don't know where i was going with that sentence but it's about um like a parent talking to your child when the parents are going through a divorce but i love this album because it's kind of my more chill pop vibe that i really like and i just think like the variety on his album and all the different relationships and topics that he touches on are so well done. And I feel like it's such a relatable album. And I think especially considering it was his debut album and he was, he was 17 when he first got signed to a record label. So he was like 20, 21 when this came out, but like, I don't know. I think it's such an impressive debut album for him. Yeah, that sounds, it sounds interesting that he, that's like such a conceptual idea for yeah. a debut album. Because I feel like most people, at least with most artists, mm -hmm. the conceptual albums only start at like at album two or after, yeah. you know? No, I can Because like, agree. even with like someone like Lady Gaga, she mm -hmm. had The Fame, which is not a conceptual album. Every album after that conceptual. Yeah. With Bjork, her first two were like, debut and post mm -hmm. not super conceptual kind of just pop songs everything after that super conceptual so it's interesting that there's that like cohesion in a first album yeah. yeah okay so some of my favorite ones on it um okay so one of my top favorite ones on this and actually <laughs> so at my wedding i want to do the like i feel like it's a newer trend but like the idea of like having a private last dance so like once people leave it's like basically be able to do your first dance with, like without all the people around um and so i want to use um the song incredible from this album for that dance but in addition to that i also really like Say Love, Soldier, and You and Me, probably. But I love all of the songs on it. So I recommend people give it a listen. That's a really interesting concept. Again, like, yeah. that sounds super cool. OK, what's your number two? My number two, this is also, I would say, chronological. Mm -hmm. the, the one and only legendary Pure Heroine by Lord. Mm, yes. What an album. That's such so, a album. Pure heroin, I think, more than anything. So it's, it's Lord's debut album. Yes. And I don't think there is a, a, an album that better encapsulates that feeling of being in your youth, but knowing that it's temporary. You know, yeah. that's such a pervasive theme. And I mean, aside from all the impact she had, aside from the fact that after Lord released, even just Royals and Team as singles, music did not sound the same after. Aside from all of that, this album sounds like it could have been released this year or next year. This album is mm -hmm. incredible. And that's one of the biggest signs of good music is timelessness. It doesn't have to be timeless to be good, yes. but generally if a song is timeless, it's pretty good. 
Mm -hmm. I'd say at least. And one of the, yeah, because I completely agree with you listening to this album, but one of my like annoyances about not even the album itself, but like how it was received is how popular Royals got. Like it's not a bad song, but like, how is that the one? Like why that one? (laughs) That's the thing. It's like, is Royals a good song? Yes. Is Team a good song? Yes. Are they, in my opinion, two of the weakest songs on the album? Yes. Yes. Because I, yeah. I can go into my picks for the songs. You have The Love Club. You have Tennis Court. You have Buzzcut Season. Court. I think Tennis Court is one of the best album openers of all time. I love and I, Tennis Court. I just think a solid album opening, that'll stick with you better than any other song. The opening and the closing. And mm-hmm. I mean, Tennis Court is such a good one. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, but on the non-deluxe version, the album opens the first line of Tennis Court, which is, don't you think it's funny how people talk? Mm-hmm. And it closes with the last line of, I cannot remember the song, but it's Let Him Talk. And I love that. But so anyways, cool. Pure Heroin impacted the music industry when it dropped in 2013, impacted um, me when it dropped in 2013, <laughs> and is both those things aside, an amazing piece of art in yeah. writing, production, singing, everything. I completely so, agree with that. <laughs> so, Leah, what is your third album? Okay, so this third album, I think is my favorite Broadway musical. Like- You just other- said you didn't have a favorite. Okay, <laughs> what I'm saying though, is like, I feel like it is one of like my top of my favorites though. Yeah. Like I've loved it for so long and it's had such, it's how, it's one of the musicals that's had the biggest impact on me and like my journey with theater. So the musical is In the Heights. Um, music was done by Lin-Manuel Miranda who also did Hamilton. Um, this was, I believe his first show that he put out and it won a Tony that year for best musical. And then if I can get my screen open, I'm also going to read a summary for this one. Okay. Maybe, there we go. And in the Heights, we encounter the many colorful residents of Washington Heights, a New York City neighborhood on the brink of change. Usnavi, a first-generation Dominican-American corner bodega owner, and his friends and family are dealing with the pressures of rising rents and closing neighborhood businesses. As one family struggles to figure out how to pay for an Ivy League tuition for their brilliant and hardworking daughter, a young woman is trying to put a down payment on a new apartment, and Usnavi himself is trying to get back to the Dominican Republic to reconnect with his roots after the death of his parents. In Washington Heights, community is everything, and we see how each of these individuals struggles to survive and how these same individuals come together as a community to mourn their losses and rejoice in their triumphs. Over the course of the show, we see the hardworking residents of Washington Heights grapple with love and lust, identity and racism, all while the prospect of a winning lottery ticket hangs in the air, potentially changing the livelihoods of the people in the community forever. This revolutionary new musical combines Latin rhythms and dance with hip hop lyrics to tell you a captivating story about what it means to chase your dreams as you cling to your roots and to celebrate the community from which you grew. So, one of my hot takes with this musical is that I think In the Heights is better than Hamilton. And I think that it deserves as much hype as Hamilton did for numerous reasons. 
reason number one is because Hamilton is really credited of being like the revolutionary musical of Broadway in the sense of diversity on stage um, and highlighting people of like actors of color. But In the Heights, it was released in 2008. And I think that In the Heights was really the start of diversifying Broadway because it was like one of the first stories to really tell the like the real side of the story of immigrants and especially like Hispanic immigrants, but also like the values of different cultures and even like the racism that happens between different races. And I personally feel like it was one of the first musicals on Broadway that rocketed the potential that of Hamilton even existing. Like, I feel like it is what set up Hamilton and so many other musicals similar to that to be so successful. But in addition to that, um, the music in it, amazing. It has a great combination of more like the upbeat, everyone in the neighborhood numbers. but it also has some amazing solo ballad numbers that really, really captivate, um, I just like real emotions. So like one of them, Breathe, is one of my favorite songs ever. Um, but it basically talks about this girl who's the daughter of immigrants from Puerto Rico and how she went through school and she was always at the top of her class and she was academically very successful, but she goes to um, college in California and it ends up being so expensive that she has to take more jobs and she eventually drops out because it's so expensive. So it's her talking about how everyone in this neighborhood was counting on her to be their success story and to be the one who finally got out. And facing the reality that by telling them that she had to drop out, that she will be disappointing all of them. But then it also talks about like another solo song, talks about one girl's longing to become more than what she is and to finally earn enough money to be able to move on and get a life somewhere else. And there's one song, it makes me cry, but like, so it's the dad of the girl who ended up dropping out. And it's after he found out that she had to drop out because it was so expensive and it's him. And I feel like this is a pretty common story. I would assume, um, as an immigrant, obviously I'm not one, so I can't speak to that experience, but, um, it's him recounting how he told his own father. He's like, no, I'm not going to take over like your farm business. And I'm going to move to America and I'm going to be more than you ever were. And I'm going to be successful and how his father didn't believe him, but how he did it anyways. And how he, as a father, feels like he's failed her by like not being able to provide for her what she needs. And then his determination to not hold back any of his family because of like where he came from and where, what his place is in life. And the, so this musical takes place over three days. So it's over July 4th weekend. And it's crazy to me that like, it takes place in such a short time period, but one, so much happens during it, but also the character development over the show is so crazy to me, like how well he was able to represent it. Because like, for example, Usnavi, the main character, 
when in like the opening of the number talks about how he's like a street lamp observing everything and he's like suffocating in the heat and he wants to escape and then in the finale it's like the same lyrics but like change so it's like I'm a street lamp but like I'm chilling in the heat and so like it's just really cool to see too how he writes all of the relationships to each other because I feel like one thing like that coming from more of like a bigger suburb like we just didn't experience and also like not necessarily either coming from cultures that really value family and your neighborhood relationships I love how the relationships are written with each other of like how they've all grown up together and how close they all are to each other and that support system so watching this one always makes me cry too just because the story's so beautiful the characters are amazing just all of it combined incredible (laughs) that's great yeah no that's an important perspective that I feel like aside from a lot of people just not seeing in general isn't really seen on stage Mm -hmm. it's like you know most plots I don't feel like center around real people Mm -hmm. at least not when I think of things like Broadway musicals you know no I agree I completely agree so that's my ramble for my third one (laughs) Perfect. What is your third? My third. We know I would be remiss if I did not include at least one album by legendary Lana Del Rey. Yes. So <laughs> I chose, surprisingly, if you know me, Honeymoon. Mm. It's her 2015 album, her third slash fourth. She kind of had yeah. A paradise EP between her first and her second slash third. Okay. But it was really just an add-on to the first, in my opinion. Yeah. So I considered her third. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the album. If I mean, people had doubts that Lana Del Rey was a talented singer, because mm. she had that awful SNL performance that I still watch sometimes <laughs> to make me laugh. But I don't see, and then, and then she had After Born to Die, her first album, which was the one I was considering putting on instead. She had um, Ultraviolence, which is more a different note, but the same kind of vocal stylings. Yeah. But I don't think you can listen to Honeymoon and think that Lana Del Rey is a bad singer. She's, she, she still has that same kind of breathiness to her in some parts, but she's, you can tell she is talented. But that aside, she, she went away from that kind of, nostalgic production and she embraces kind of the cinematic strings and piano it's gorgeous um and it's also her worst selling and her least acclaimed and (laughs) i would say from knowing lana stands probably her least like there too which i think is an awful opinion to have there is no skip on this album this album is Dead can if it has a I mean well it has a flaw obviously but <laughs> its biggest flaw mm-hmm. is that it's too consistent. It sounds like it could be one song, just yeah. one really long song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a good thing, but also a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. It's even when you get into the technical aspects, like the mastering is so well done. She mm-hmm. never feels overpowered by the strings, but also never feels like her voice is too much. It's yeah. An incredible album and it has great songwriting too i believe that um terence loves you is her best written song um and to anyone that. huh so i'll have to listen to that it's a really good song it's i i 
on her newest album, or I guess not soon. She's releasing Come Trails soon, but um, Norman fucking Rockwell. People say that was her best songwriting. I think most of the songs are really tacky. I really don't like the lyrics in Norman fucking Rockwell. That's fair. I think Terrence loves you really hit it. She doesn't try too hard. Lana has convinced herself that she's a poet since she released her poetry book. Awful book. Horrible book. <laughs> I mm-hmm. will never buy it. The one, the, every poem I read is awful. Um, so she tries to throw in me. references. Her idea of throwing in a poetic reference is dropping someone's name. That's not... <laughs> <laughs> you don't make a reference by saying someone's name. You're supposed to reference what they create. So I think she has turned into a really bad songwriter. But Honeymoon has some great songs. So my um, favorites from this are the title track, which is also the opener. Yeah. Honeymoon has an incredible opening. It's a six-minute song that hits different notes. It's, I mean, it starts with her, you know, it's that very slow, seductive kind of classic Hollywood thing mm-hmm. of just saying, our honeymoon. But then near the end, it starts to pick up not in tempo, but in like heaviness. And it's gorgeous. Um, There's also the legendary music to watch boys too, was one of my most listened to songs of 2020 (laughs) on Spotify. Beautiful. I mean, amazing song. It's it's kind of the song that people know off the album. People don't know Honeymoon, people know music to watch boys too. Great song. And then um, Salvatore, which I love. It's so, Catchy isn't the word for it, but it just, it's a gorgeous song. I, I'm i am bad at describing music in general, but especially that kind of, not even ambient, just mm-hmm. less structured, more graceful music. I'm really bad at describing, but Honeymoon is something you have to listen to. I definitely. So it's, yeah, it's her most underrated, overhated album, mm-hmm. but it's really incredible. So yeah. Leah, what is your fourth album? We're more than halfway. I guess we were the last one too, but crazy. Yeah. Okay, so my fourth one is the album Pentatonix by Pentatonix. And I want to preface this by saying I do not think that this is their best album. In fact, they recently, like a few days ago, released their album, The Lucky Ones, which I think is a masterpiece. But I think this album is like one of my favorite of their albums because I feel like this is when they really started to find their identity and the path they wanted to go down as artists. Because I mean, for those of you who like don't know their history, they got their start as a group from Sing Off, which is like a voice competition, like TV show. Um, So for a long time, a lot of their career was just posting albums where they're doing covers of other songs and then they did like their Christmas albums which there's nothing wrong with and I love them also but their album Pentatonix was their first album where they started including some original songs and I think once they started playing around with writing their own music um, I think they kind of transitioned from being the like young 20s group that like formed because they're friends and then like kind of got pushed into stardom um, to like now really being adults and finding out what they want their careers truly mean. But also obviously I had to include it because um, they're an acapella group and I love acapella group. I've been in acapella groups um, and I don't know, I think they just have 
some really catchy songs on it. And it just seems like they really had fun when putting it together, which I think is really important. I'm trying it's to think what my favorite, what some of my favorite songs on it are. I love the song Rose Gold on it. Um, I that's one of my favorite ones. Um, I also love New Year's Day and Light in the Hallway. Um, but I don't know. I really like all of their songs on it. That's that wasn't great. like a great really... favorite song answer, but. <laughs> <laughs> I only really know them for their covers. So that's, mm -hmm. yeah, that's a good choice because they're very good at covers. Just, yeah. it's good they branch out from that. Mm -hmm. And I think like what's been really, this isn't about the album, but like the group as a whole, I think what's been so impressive about their group and is what has kept their group so strong throughout the years is I feel like they really support each other in, um, like the others exploring other interests that they have. So like, for example, um, Kirsten, the female in the group, she went off and did a Broadway show for a few months. And then like some of the other ones have individual music careers or YouTube channels and stuff like that. And I think the support and exploring their other interests and not just being like, no, when you're in the group, everything you do is just for this group has allowed them to really become like full people. And then when they do work on another album, to be able to come back to working on that as really full and like nourished people create like creatively. And I think that's why like throughout all the years their work has stayed so good is because as a group, they like really do what is best for them as individuals. Yeah, that makes sense. I love mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So what is your fourth favorite? I'm so glad you asked. Well, <laughs> um, this is a little bit of a change of direction from my last three picks, but this is one that is an incredible album. I think it is album of the decade of 2010s and it is Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly. Ooh, and I, I don't, not I don't that. listen to rap. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, I don't listen to rap. It's not, I'm not one of those people that's like rap isn't music or rap is bad music. That's mm -hmm. just an objectively bad take. I just, it generally doesn't interest me, but this album is mm -hmm. incredible in all aspects. I feel like I'm saying that about every album, but really <laughs> this is a piece of art. Now, Kendrick Lamar, um, his second album, this is his third, second mm -hmm. album, Good Kid, Mad City, was all about his experience growing up in Compton and the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure you can imagine how mm -hmm. that album played out. And that, that's where you got a lot of hits. That's where he got his real commercial success. Yeah. And To Pimp a Butterfly, it's it was inspired by a trip he took to South Africa. Ooh. And it's all about just Black culture, Black experiences. Mm -hmm. And it's so fascinating it, it deals with everything from from poverty to to police brutality to to colorism yeah this insane breadth of, of topics discussed there's a reason that kendrick lamar got won a pulitzer in 2017 for his next album after this mm -hmm. i mean he's incredible in both in writing and in delivery 
yeah that's, that's something i don't think a lot of people respect about rap and that i didn't really before i took the time to learn more about it mm-hmm. is so much of it is is both finding a natural flow to things but also that precision you know and i guess that definitely does tie into his poetic aspect where it's i i don't know it's hard to describe but Mm-hmm. Kendrick Lamar is an incredible songwriter, an incredible rapper, an incredible yeah. producer. Um, some standout tracks, um, probably my favorite, or I think is the most impressive, is How Much a Dollar Cost, which is mm-hmm. an album, of, or an album. Um, it's a song about his experience in South Africa when a homeless man asked him for a dollar. And he refused to give him one. And it's all about this back and forth between him and this man. And it's so fascinating. Yeah. He's, he's rapping from both perspectives as both himself. That's and, and cool. from cool. his perspective. But when the man speaks, you know, he says like, he said something, something yeah. all in rap. And it's so fast, but he's so articulate. And I didn't it, listen it's one of those songs, you need to listen to it, but you also need to be reading. So how would you yeah. do this? Which is how I did it. Yeah. Listen to it through once. You're mm-hmm. not going to process it all. He, talk, he raps very fast. He's very good at what he does. Then mm-hmm. listen to it again while reading the lyrics on screen and you'll be blown away. Incredible mm-hmm. song. And then you also have songs like Complexion featuring Rhapsody. I adore Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has that very like, the only way I can describe it is like a rubbery bass. Uh-huh. You know, that bass yeah. is so deep and rich that really like feels like it's just yeah. going through your brain oh my like shifting a little. Yeah. Incredible. Because he has a lot of jazz inspirations in this album too. It's it's beautiful. I feel like this is, could be because I don't listen to rap music at all. But like I feel like mm-hmm. this could be the one rap album that I love. Like it's the one for me because about it. Oh my god. Because that's the thing. Again, I don't really like rap. Mm-hmm. I like even from this album. There's none that I really went to after that. I like some yeah. female rap, but most male rap doesn't interest me. This album, this and his last one before this, yeah, Kid Mouse City, so good. And then the other one I picked was um, King Kunta which is very upbeat and funky, but um, there, I, he, this, this song really demonstrates that he knows his references because um, the name King Kunta is um, based on a character from a very famous black um, generational novel called Roots. Mm-hmm. Um, and he referenced the lyrics how the character got his leg cut off because he was a slave. So yeah, yeah. Kendrick Lamar on this album, it, it, it's, the definition of a magnum opus, not just his, anyone's, the culmination of the current environment, the culture, the history, the yeah. talent in songwriting, the talent in delivery, bringing in other current collaborators, long dead collaborators. I mean, Jesus Christ. It's it's an album to listen to tracks from and to listen all the way through. It's yeah. amazing. It sounds incredible. Like It is, it is. That's the only way to describe it. It's yeah. it's, it's indescribable. It's mm-hmm. amazing. So, would you like to give a few honorable mentions and then a top pick? Yes, I mean this is my top. You know, it won't be my top pick because I'm bad a at ranking oh, final pick. Yes. <laughs> okay, so I have three honorable mentions. I'm gonna try not to spend super long on them, but I will just like explain a little bit. So my first one is the album Fine Line by Harry Styles, which I know is like very common favorite. And it was up there with Chapters by JNCW. But I just feel like 
every song from it is very strong in its own way. And I, I don't know. I just feel like you can tell the like time and love that he put into this album. And I just love the songs from it. My second one, Hamilton, obviously. I'm a theater kid, but um, like I love though, I love how Hamilton brought so many people into loving theater. And I do love how it is encouraging so many shows that came out after Hamilton to really focus on diversity and all of that. So my last one, which I want to talk like teensy bit more about is the musical and Juliet. It premiered on West on the West End. And it's based on Romeo and Juliet, but it's not your like typical retelling of Romeo and Juliet. So it's based off of this line that's said at the beginning of the musical, which is what if Juliet didn't kill herself? I mean, really that should almost be the start of the play. And like, and so then it basically follows a story where like Juliet decides not to kill herself and she, but she's also older. So she's like early twenties in this. Um, and so it's like her going on with her life and meeting all these new people because she decided not to kill herself. But I love it um, because it has great representation um, like race wise, but also I feel like it's one of, this isn't, I don't know if I say it's one of the few, but I feel like it's one of the more modern musicals that's came out and like within the past few years that um does a good job of also um having diversity in different sexualities and I could be and like gender and I could be wrong about this so I don't want to make this a definitive statement but to me it is the first it has the first non-binary character in it that I know of in a in a musical so I just feel like it did a really good job of talking about diversity and different like sexualities and genders, but without doing it as like the token character. Yeah, yeah. It's it's inclusion, but not for inclusion's sake. Yeah. It's inclusion as a blend rather than like a garnish. Mm-hmm. And we love like also like all the um the like feminist tones in it and because I mean let's be real I I don't like Romeo and Juliet as a whole but what does piss me off is that ending like that fucking ending like why do they kill themselves I think that's so stupid um and so like I do love the idea that she's like no fuck Romeo like he is not worth it like I'm 20, like I have a whole life to live. And it's like very like empowering woman in it. So I also love that. What are your honorable mentions? My honorable mentions, we have, this is a very scattershot approach. Mm-hmm. Um, first up, very obvious. I mentioned it before, Born to Die by Lanza, right? Yeah. Um, if for nothing else on the album, like everything else about it aside, the song video games has had probably done more damage to me mentally than most people, <laughs> I would say so. I think yeah. that's true. Uh, Lana Del Rey was not my most listened to artist 2020, but video games is my most listened to song by far. <sighs> no. <laughs> um, and besides that, lots of good songs, but yeah. it's classic. It, it, 
Born to Die really did change music at this point. Mm-hmm. It shaped that very, that very intimate, whispery tone you have mm-hmm. in a lot of female artists, for better or for worse. It, I, I firmly believe without Lana, we would not have Lord, we would not have Halsey, we would not have um, Billie mm-hmm. Eilish, any of these people, yeah. easily. Yeah. None of them without Born to Die. Um, then I have completely different album, Kick One by Arga. Okay. I don't know if you know this. It's pretty popular on in no. Twitter circles. Mm-hmm. Arca is a Venezuelan, I believe, trans woman. Cool. And Kick One is this, uh, it's hard to explain. It's not electro. It's like very in the hyper pop vein, but to call it that is very inaccurate because that diminishes a lot of its value. Mm-hmm. It, it has a lot of features on it, but yeah. they're not, Arca takes, Arca's done production for years. She's made albums before this, since I think mm-hmm. 2013. She's done production for a decade, I think, at least. Yeah. Um, but this album shows her chops in taking a feature and modifying the voice to make it not entirely theirs, yeah. but blend with hers enough that they still have an identity and it okay. works in the album yeah. and the song but also with their stuff. And I think the best example of that, my favorite song off the album by far, is um, Quero Que, okay, but okay. stylized as just letters K-L-K. It's, yeah. I think it means what, what's up in Dominican, um, or like a Dominican dialect. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a feature from um, Rosalia. I don't know if you're familiar with her. No, um, I don't know. And Arca manipulates her voice to the point where it's practically an instrument. It's insane. So cool. It's such a good song. Yeah. It's like ridiculous and like crazy shit is happening. Like you just hear like the sound of guns reloading constantly. You can never tell. It's 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 a great song. <laughs> um, also moving completely away from that, my final <laughs> one I would mention is um, The Milk-Eyed Mender by Joanna Newsom, which is an album I adore. Joanna Newsom is a harpist. Um, she's known for I think she's a Muppet soundtrack but I don't know that um but she has this really weird baby voice but not in like a Britney Spears way in like a very almost creepy way but beautiful creepy okay um she's not on Spotify and that makes me so angry because she is on Apple Music so when I switch from Apple Music to Spotify I can no longer listen to it so now I use Prime Music for that yeah um Hmm. It's, it's not on Spotify. It's very, it's really weird, and I wish it was. Yeah. Um, but Joanna Newsom, she, her songwriting abilities are insane, mm-hmm. um, and also just her delivery. It, it, it's her singing is amazing. Like my favorite song, uh, the, the song in the, um, that introduced me to the album, yeah, is the Sprout and the Bean, okay. and. It's not, the lyrics aren't sad inherently, mm-hmm. but the way she delivers them is just heartbreaking in a, the weirdest way. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I adore her and all her music, but Milk yeah. Manor, I think, is her best album. Ooh, okay. All right, Leah, what is your final okay. album from your five favorites? Yeah. So my final album is the musical Come From Away. I've seen this show twice. Um, I cried both times I'm watching it. I cry when I listen to it all the way through. 
Let me pull up my little like synopsis of it thing. If my Wi-Fi wants to work. Come From Away chronicles the real life experiences of the people of Gander, Newfoundland and the almost 7,000 airline passengers who were forced to land there when US airspace was closed on September 11, 2001. 12 actors tell the story of both the Islanders and the plane people, revealing the fear and uncertainty that came with the terrorist attacks, as well as the profound generosity and compassion of strangers. While some characters and stories are an amalgamation of several people and experience, others are grounded in true people, such as Captain Beverly Bass, the first female captain for American Airlines, Kevin Turf and Kevin Young, the couple from LA, and Nick and Diane, the couple who met in Gander. The music from Come From Away blends both traditional musical theater styles as well as traditional Newfoundland orchestrations. The creators of Come From Away have stated that this is not a September 11th story. It is rather a September 12th story, a story of the best people have to offer each other and a reminder that we are all capable of doing good for each other, especially in the darkest of times. So, yeah, so this like musical makes me cry when I watch it because, okay, for right off the bat, I think like the concept behind it is incredible. Like because basically the two writers of it saw um, advertised that there is basically a 10 year reunion happening in Newfoundland for all of the people that were stranded there um, to go back and see each other and the people in Newfoundland that helped them. And so they ended up going to this like 10 year reunion and interviewing all these people there. And then over the process of writing it, contacting all these other people that were involved um, with those like three, four days where they were in Newfoundland. And I don't know, I just like, I love the idea that it's a September 12th story and not a September 11th yeah, story. And you really see that in the musical, like it's so, beautifully written, like both with like the fear and confusion of those that are stranded there. And just like the generosity and open arms that the people in Gander welcomed all of them. Um, Cause it was this tiny town and they're welcoming in all of these people stranded there. And they're working so hard to make them feel welcomed and give them all the things they need. And just, I don't know, the message of it and like the portrayal of it is like stunning and I do also like really enjoy because they include um like some of the traditions of Gander and I like that they also incorporate some more traditional music styles and instruments um but yeah the story as a whole makes me cry <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it sounds like it yeah <laughs> so what is your fifth album my fifth album. This is a funny album for me to pick for the last one. I wouldn't say it's my, okay, I wouldn't say it's my favorite album of all time, but it also doesn't make sense for me to say that because I like this one more than the others that I've mm -hmm. listed. Um, really strange pick because um, it's really consistent. It's critically panned. It has a lot of issues with mastering with especially transition between songs it listens like a playlist more than the album mm -hmm. um it is probably yeah probably my favorite album yeah and funnily enough it's on the poster behind me it is <laughs> york's volta mm. 
Volta yep. was released in 2007. Mm-hmm. And Dark at this point had one of probably the strongest five album run of all time mm-hmm. from debut to post which was really her biggest success. She was, I mean, that's what made her famous in the nineties. She's already established musician. But that was really what brought her forth in pop culture lens to homogenic, which is considered one of the most Im- influential albums in the nineties slash influential electronic albums of all time Yeah. to Vespertine, which is, gorgeous album which is considered her best which i think is her best but it's yeah. not my favorite to medulla which is one of the most ambitious albums of all time with pretty much only using human voices yeah to volta which mixes horns which are used in every song mm-hmm. with synths and like just this really weird production it's yeah. dead inconsistent it is easily her most inconsistent work that is not one of her like earlier ones that are just really singles mashed together. Mm -hmm. But the beauty of Volta is through its inconsistencies, it can tell a cohesive story of, of just, I see it as a story of Bjork as a mother or more a portrait than a story really. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything from songs like Innocence and Innocence is a funny name for the song. York has a way of doing things where like the title of the song is very deceptive. Like on her first album, mm-hmm. the song Crying is this really upbeat kind of club song. I love um, it. And Innocence is this really intense, punchy mm-hmm. um, beat. It's it's like, I think it was produced by Timbaland, who's a really f- still famous producer. Yeah. Um, and you have songs like that juxtaposes songs like um, Hope, which has mm-hmm. this really interesting string instrument. I don't know which one, but it's not like a guitar or anything or like yeah. a violin. Um, I think it's some East Asian one. I do not want to misrepresent it. Um, mm-hmm. And the lyrics of that song are all about this philosophical question of if, um, if there's a pregnant suicide bomber. Yeah. Is it more morally just for her to kill her target or not? Which I think is just really interesting question. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have songs like I See Who You Are, which is this intimate exploration of her and how she views her child. Because from the title, I See Who You Are is kind of that knowledge that Mm -hmm. she knows her, I think it's son. Um, she intentionally kept her kid hidden from fame, which yeah. was a good decision. Um, but, you know, most people know that their parents do not know them as well as their parents think they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and the album's, what, what, what should have been the album's closer, there's a remix of one of the first, of the first track at the end. I don't okay. consider that the real end of the album. Yeah. I think the end of the album is My Juvenile. It is this fucking heart-wrenching song about, I mean, it's called My Juvenile, so about her kid. And it's all about her saying, basically apologizing for saying, I tried to free you from myself, but I couldn't do that. And it features um, Anthony, who is a pretty pretty famous figure in the art pop scene, um, as the conscience, that's how um, she's credited. She's trans, so at the time she had not transitioned yet, so yeah. um, credited as dead name as the conscience. It's strange. 
Okay. But um, the the end of that song has this like door shut noise at the last part that always just gets me. Oh, it, interesting. Like, yeah, hurts. It just goes <laughs> silent, and then you just hear a door shut. Anyways, Volta <laughs> is an enigma of them because it is by far her worst. It's mm-hmm. easily her worst album. It's un. It was really uncharacteristic of of Bjork to put something out that was so inconsistent. Like there are transitions between songs like The Dull Flame of Desire yeah. to Innocence. It just cuts off in the middle of like a, like kind of like a drumming part. And it does not, it's not that it doesn't transition smoothly. It's an abrupt stop to an abrupt start. Yeah. It's just strange. Mm-hmm. So in all aspects, this album is bad. Yeah. But it's incredible and I love it. <laughs> it's my favorite. That's so fair. That's my thesis on Volta. <laughs> and also the the album cover is that weird McDonald's reject. I love it. It looks like Grimace, but gay. <laughs> we made it. We made it through our five. We albums. did make it. Huh. I feel like I'm gonna re-listen to this though and be like, oh my god, I forgot to say all of this stuff about these yeah. albums. And no, that's I'm sure that's how bug me forever. The best way to know that we didn't miss anything is for the audience to listen to the albums, especially the songs we pointed out. (laughs) So I think we'll be putting together a playlist of songs from these albums. So if you're interested, you can just press shuffle and I'm sure you will get whiplash going from a random song from one of Leah's favorite musicals to... Monster yeah, I'm gonna say, the fame monster. <laughs> please listen to my three. Oh, like, okay. My thing is, so I like did read a brief synopsis, but if you want the full effect of listening to these musicals and like getting the same emotional journey is to like read a more in-depth sy- synopsis about the place so that you, and about the musical. So you understand how the songs fit into the show as a whole. And then like, make time to listen to it straight through or like most of the way through because like all of them are so emotion driven I feel like especially in the heights and comfortable way that I feel like you really get the full effect by listening to all of it at once like putting it on shuffle I feel like (laughs) will work but it's just gonna be a lot more confusing (laughs) yeah that's the nice thing about the albums I picked is they can all go on shuffle (laughs) Some of them are better not shuffled, like Honeymoon to Pimp a Butterfly, Pure Heroin, that's not shuffled, but they work. Yeah. And two of mine. Volta is practically shuffled. Yeah. (laughs) Two of mine you can listen to shuffled. Mm -hmm. Okay. We talked about this briefly before, like kind of like about our different listening habits, um, about like how you will like listen to an album straight through and I'm a little bit more, way more random about how I listen to music. I feel like since this is our music episode, I feel like we should maybe just like talk a little bit more about like our individual listening styles to music or like stuff like that, just to see what our similarities and differences are. (laughs) How I usually listen to music is I I have been one to do the thing where I put one song on repeat, but I've been trying not to because that is... (laughs) not good it's not a good thing but i do <laughs> that is how that is how for spotify wrapped i get jork as my top artist and my top two songs of the year yeah. are the love club and video games mm. that's how that happens 
Um, <laughs> but besides that, what I usually do is I'll either go to an album and either listen to it through or shuffle it, mm-hmm. or I'll go to a playlist. And usually my playlists are one artist or one very specific feeling or mood. Okay, I have a so, question for you. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, do you use playlists actively? And like, do you actively like add music to them or like sort music into playlists? So the thing is, I don't, I do use playlists actively. And most of the time I listen to music on Spotify using mm-hmm. playlists, but I don't think I make playlists in the same way that other people do. So okay. I don't have like, um, I don't do playlists based on feelings. I do playlists based on this artist's songs that I like. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have like a Bjork favorites playlist. I think it has like over a hundred songs. It's almost her whole discography or her main discography. Yeah. Like I just put it on shuffle and listen to whatever I want. And I have, yeah, um, current playlist. Yeah, one of my newest ones is Lady Gaga songs for redacted slurs. Um, And it's just literally just her music. I think this has probably like 60 songs. I don't know, something like that. But like, so yeah, I usually use playlists, but not for like a chill vibes playlist. That's yeah. not me. That's really fair. I, How about you? Yeah, I'll say I'm, di- <laughs> I'm different. And my answer for playlists probably show that I need a therapist, just putting that out there. <laughs> In the sense that like, I love the idea of playlists. Like I really do. But making playlists, stresses me out so much to the point where like I've given up pretty much on like using playlists because the thing is like (laughs) this is so unhealthy but like I feel like when I create playlists whether it's like um based off of more like a vibe or like when I would use them or if I'm trying to like put them into more like useful playlists of like audition ideas, cover ideas, stuff like that. My issue then is like, I can't enjoy listening to music because I'm so focused on like sorting them correctly. (laughs) And so like, I don't know. And then it- (laughs) You not just smack the shuffle button and move on with your life? So like, okay, see what also solves The issue though is I am someone who like finds like, I mean, it rotates decently quickly, but I am someone who like finds one to like three songs that during a period of time I really like. And that's primarily what I listen to. And so like, they'll be at the top of my like songs and I'll just like repeat those until I find something new and then I'll find new ones and they'll be at the top. So then I like, don't really go back and listen to a lot of my music. The only playlist that I feel like I use consistently is one that I just have like for in the shower of just like songs that I commonly sing in the shower, but I don't know. My relationship with playlists is stressful. Yeah, you should <laughs> you should forward this podcast to a mental health professional. They're like, so tell me a little bit about yourself <laughs> and I just forward that clip. <laughs> yeah, I have the exact I do the exact opposite. Like, like I was saying, here's my Bjork favorites playlist. So we have I literally organize it by album. So you have debut and post. Oh come on then homogenic one song from telegram 
-hmm. Vespertine, medulla, all of Volta naturally, biophilia, Monicura, all of Monicura too, mm -hmm. Utopia, and then very live songs. So I just press shuffle and I let my phone worry about it. It's not my problem. But it is my problem. <laughs> this is your problem, it's but not in the problem. sense that you're saying it. Yeah, yeah. What I'm saying is it is my problem and I wish it wasn't my problem. But like, I just like, what if I don't sort them correctly? Like, Then you'll probably press the skip button. No, I will delete my Spotify. <laughs> I will say... Over. Speaking of not using playlists, every time Leah gets in the car with me, <laughs> I don't go to a playlist. I shuffle all my liked songs. Currently, I have 830 liked songs, and it's a disaster. <laughs> I will say, I love to prove it. my point, we can have a mini little bit about this. I did make a playlist of songs I get bullied for liking. <laughs> I mentioned this to you, actually. Wait, did I mention this last episode? Uh, I think yeah. I did. Yeah. But we can oh, touch yeah. it again. I, yeah. Yeah. So we have things like we start off with Flossin by the Backpack Kid. <laughs> Ivy Flossin, as one does. Mm -hmm. Some Minecraft on Five Nights at Freddy's parodies. Yeah. We have some Jeffrey Star's MySpace music, some of Gabby Hanna's music, Rebecca Black's Friday, um, a good portion of Bad Baby and City Girls, um, some Jesse J, some Ashley Tisdale and Bridget Mendler. Um, music from the Ant Farm soundtrack by China oh and I do not regret that at all. <laughs> Exceptional. Calling All the Monsters. Incredible songs. Um, have located by Arbor Levine. Some of Trisha Paytas' music. I love Trisha Paytas. I um, <laughs> Lack of taste. Um, so yeah, we just I have a like lot of good... Not, no, no. I think me not liking Trisha Paytas is not me having a lack of taste. I think it is. No, yeah, Trisha Pace. Okay, there is nothing funnier than that woman's cover of Shallow. You cannot tell me that. That is the funniest video to ever oh, exist. I strongly disagree. It makes me want to jump out a window. Okay, I never said it didn't make me look the same. It's just the funniest video ever. No, but, but like, it's not like... Else you're searching for? But there's no enjoyment, like, while I'm jumping out the window. <laughs> Like, oh, it's pure hatred. I, I so hate funny. her singing videos. I did make a series in Photoshop of Trisha Paytas as Lady Gaga album covers. I did all of them. Oh my god. Yeah. I hate that. That was a decision. I can, I, I actually, ha I made them on this computer, so I will drop them in Zoom chat, and I will be sure, I'm sure Leo would love to put these on our Instagram. I am definitely posting that. Oh, God. Okay, let me, oh, yeah, there we go. Okay, wait. Yeah, I have um, a lot of playlists the original. made. I just, like, stopped using, like, I just stopped adding new oh. them. You're funny. I'm mentally ill. Yeah, I'm also like concerned for you, but you're also funny. Okay, here is the Trish monster. I don't want to Here's... open this. You should open it. It's very funny. <laughs> okay, maybe it's not funny, but I think <laughs> it's funny. And what's the difference? There's definitely no difference. I have an objective taste of humor. How do I know? There's also a Joanne one, but I didn't make that one. I don't have it on my computer. What do we think? Hold on. Um, <laughs> wait, no, 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 no. I haven't even opened it. Can you talk about the message that popped up on my computer when I tried to open it? 
What? It's on thetrishmonster.png will damage your computer. You should move it to the bin. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't help I it. literally made it in Photoshop. I you promise you will not hurt. You have to oh my god, okay, I will. Over text. Because then I can post on my phone. Because <laughs> I can't open it on here. God. Okay. But I'm sending the Joanne one too, but I did not make that. That's that's the threat I'm making in response. Is there something else you're searching for? I will never be over that. Nor should I be, just to be clear. I can't believe she's so popular. I can. She's okay. Here's the thing. It would be different if she was like genuinely like problematic, but it's Anyone who does not realize that it's an elaborate years-long bit is just stupid. It is. It's a character. No, I know. And I do get that. I'm just surprised people aren't tired of it yet, is what I'm saying. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay, everyone's tired of it. I just still think it's funny. I love her. Okay, this woman recently, like a month ago, pretended to get a job at Domino's. No, I know. And I've referred to the uniform as merch. I know. I've seen it. How is that the funniest Okay, what do you think? What are our thoughts oh, on this? Oh, hold on, let me open it. I forgot to do that. I got distracted by talking. The, you, your phone saying like attachment five images, that is a threat. I hate that. Do you? Which one do you hate most? Okay, let's go, let's rank these. I hate all of them. What do we hate? Okay, can you tell which one took the most effort? I'll ask you that. There are two um, ways that took the most effort. Hmm. I feel like maybe art pop. Yes, because I put a little shadow above, like below the wig line, because that's how it is in the actual album. And that took like one second more than the others. None of these were high effort, just to yeah. be clear. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think that's but very I feel like obvious. also because like you had to do the different body parts too, like exactly. with a taken longer. Um, oh, wait, no, I didn't do the different body parts, it's just the face. Um, oh no, I just adjusted the tone of her face so it would match. Yeah. That also took a minute longer, so yeah. Yeah, so that one, and then, I don't know. Is it the one without the, like, title on the album? That's Chromatica. And no, Chromatica was, I just found someone who photoshopped out her, like, her body from the Chromatica album art, and I just put that picture on top, and I edited it. I don't know. So it's actually the easiest. Oh, I don't know which one took the other one took the longest. I was born this way because that oh, hair was impossible to cut around. Yes. Oh, you I can see like that. near the top. I just gave up. Yeah, I, I literally just like gave so up hair. and I just went for it. But yeah, um, I would say easiest. Yeah, Karnataka and Dream Monster. The, okay, I didn't make the Joanne one, but it is the funniest to me. Okay, it's so funny. The Joanne one looks easy. I. The, <laughs> I just okay. I, some people on Twitter talk about having a comfort person. I have two. Okay. Trisha Paytas and Lana Del Rey. I have and oh okay. Boy. Trisha Paytas is my comfort person, and like I will watch her podcast with Ethan Klein, and I'll be like, oh, I feel better. Lana Del Rey is my comfort person. I I, I use that term in air quotes as like people on Twitter use. I don't think it's a thing because she's hot and she's gorgeous. Okay. And I love her. See, my thing is, I, like, don't get why, okay, you know what else I don't get about Trisha Paytas, though? How does, she, like, how does she 
put up? How, how has she put up with putting out this image for so long? She is a multimillionaire. I could put up any image you want for multimillion okay. dollars, but she has. But what I'm saying she is, she has a mansion after, in LA. What I'm saying though, after you make the money, like she doesn't need to still be doing it. To be. Okay, I know that would also be fun as hell to have my life. No, okay. See, be going emo for a week and crying in a car. That's the dream. Are you kidding me? My dream is to role play Domino's manager for for fun. That is my dream. Wow, I, really different people. To live the life that Trisha Paytas, Trisha Paytas is living my dream. Wow, we are her. such different people. Okay, we knew that. No, Trisha Paytas I, is not I didn't my dream. know this about us, though. I okay. didn't know that this was a difference between us. Trisha Paytas is not living my dream, but her life seems like a dream. I would, She's also been culturally relevant for the past full decade. And that's thing, impressive. My thing is, though, is I wouldn't want, I don't know if I'd want to be culturally relevant for this long by being a problematic person. Like what, like for people that don't understand that it's like not serious, like being viewed as a super problematic okay. person. Okay. Anyone who does not understand that it's not serious, it's like 14. I don't mean that in like a... I mean that in the most literal way possible. Like, I don't think anyone can be like a legal adult and not, and look at Trisha Paytas for any extended period of time and not realize but, it's a joke. But what I'm saying though, is I feel like there's also, even if they know it's a bit, I feel like there's still a lot of adults though, who like still, like, even though it's not real, still view the fact that she would be problematic as a problematic issue about her. And like, I don't know if I would want to be popular off of that kind of attention. Yeah, no, it's like a weird way to live, I'm sure. But it is, it's just, it's so funny to watch. I think she is, okay, have you seen the podcast she's doing with Ethan Klein, specifically the video where they did the Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader game? Um, I've seen like clips of it. Because I'll get clips of their podcast. This woman, she, okay, in this one episode, three things I'll highlight. One, she claimed to not know what gravity is. And also took it as a fat joke when Ethan Klein said she has a lot of gravity. Um, Second of all, when she says she has a Jewish fiance. Yeah. And when Ethan Klein asked if she role plays in the bedroom, she said, and I quote, yeah, just not the Holocaust. And third, (laughs) Ethan Klein was answering a question of who is Rosa Parks. And he said, she, you know, she sat on the bus with you to give up her seat. And she goes, I, I can do, <laughs> I know exactly what it is. I, it's so fucking funny. She goes, ironic, considering when I was in school, all the cool kids sat at the back of the bus. Yeah, I also saw that clip. But like, okay, and maybe this is just like, so this is like how I am. But like, I can't imagine getting attention based off of saying those things. I, I can't imagine that, but only because I'm not that funny. Because like, okay. It would be different if she like said that in a vacuum. But again, she said this in the episode where she said gravity is fake. Mm-hmm. So like- Which is why I'm saying that I understand that it's not her as a person. What yeah. I'm saying is I don't think I could put up that bit for so long. Oh, I couldn't either. I'm not that talented. Okay, people don't realize Paris Hilton has already, since it's been about two decades, almost two decades since The Simple Life, she's been able to put down her persona. She's put off the really high baby voice. She's pretty much made it clear without saying it outright that it was a character, because we know that. Trisha yeah. Paytas is in an earlier stage of that. 
she like she has another half decade to put up the facade. She has to do her time with Paris. It's she yeah. is the Paris Hilton of our generation. Yeah. Yes. I mean, yes. But what I'm saying though is like because it's such like a different culture now, like with our generation than like when Paris Hilton was doing it, that like I'm just surprised that like it's still going in our generation in our culture i think at this point i think i mean it was pretty unfunny so you had like early 2010s trisha when she was like funny famous Mm -hmm. and then like mid mid decade trisha i'd say she's like less funny and now she's at the point where it's just like legend behavior like because i don't do anything it'd be funny she could literally make two videos called eating salad and eating salad two and they were 30 minutes long and i would watch both of them because she did and i have yeah, but I mean, like, I understand, like, how her singing videos and stuff, like, are popular, but I don't understand this because I feel like, and this is, like, very much a generalization, but I feel like our generation, though, is, like, more likely to call people out on their behavior, even, like, whether or not they know the person oh, yeah. is joking or not. So what I'm surprised, though, is I'm surprised that she can oh. still be this popular, being, having said, as a bit, so many problematic things, when so many other people who have also done things jokingly haven't like gotten so pop like positively popular off of it yeah the thing it's a combination of i mean she has been canceled so many times like quote, unquote, she canceled. comes back though which is what yeah. mm-hmm. but that's what so I it's a combination of her already being established beforehand her having had scandals before it was a cancellation thing because if you think about it i mean her first real scandals were in like 2016 and back then it was slap on the hand you were like your life yeah. isn't ruined like it is today um and also, it's been established for the past decade that it's a bit. So I think people, she's the exception because it's it's almost the opposite. It's not like she, she was making a joke years ago and she's been normal since. She's yeah, been I making like a joke other for years. Creators. I feel like there's other creators though who started there like accounts and like channels and all that also having like a joke bit persona and they have like not received the same reception that she has so i'm just surprised that uh, like, just feel like in this current day that she's as mm-hmm. successful as she is yeah no she's an enigma i don't i yeah. don't understand all of it but i think i do think a lot of it is like and it's I do not just it. that like yeah no it's not just that she like her public persona is different and like people because like you know someone has a public persona and that persona makes jokes yeah her persona is the joke Mm-hmm. Like, she is a character through and through. She's the funniest fucking person alive. I love Trisha Paytas. And do I feel bad about it? Maybe a little. Not really. <laughs> I will never understand it. And I think that's That's okay. okay. She is not someone I think I think anyone should aspire to be like, but I, I do regardless. <laughs> well, I just be like, I don't think I'll ever understand, like, what's funny about her. But I think that's fine. Like, okay. I don't need to find her funny. I just yeah. her podcast is very funny. Like, oh wait, so do you know I, the clip yeah, no, where I, she was? People that pretend wait. to be dumb make me want to kill myself, though. Okay, okay. Most people who pretend to be dumb are really unfunny, but there's a right way to do it, and she knows that. Like in the podcast, there's this <laughs> moment where she was being asked, "What is the thinnest layer of Earth?" and she goes, yeah. "What is the thinnest layer of Earth?" and he goes, "Correct." And she's like, yeah. "Oh, I had a point." <laughs> No, no, I've seen these people that we're talking about. I just don't find it funny. Like, that's what I'm saying. Across the board, I have not found a case yet where someone who pretends to be dumb, like, I, like, doesn't make me want Is this why you laugh at my jokes? Because, you know, I'm not pretending. Yeah. 
good. <laughs> and Trisha, for what it's worth, has put out at least two good songs. She had an EP called Chicken Fingers and Lipo, Freaky, which is a banger. And then she had I Love You Jesus, which opens. Well, I have heard that, yeah. (laughs) 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 And I I remember when I hated my life and I said I didn't want to die, but I did. (laughs) Oh my God. She is. I do think it's like an association thing. I don't, I don't think most people should find her as funny as I find her. I think it's just like, a, this person is someone I've been able to laugh at for the past decade. So I can see a picture of her face looking normal and I will start crying. That's so wild. I, I know. Yeah. It's a problem. I should get a check out. <laughs> I think we both need therapy for very different things, but I think, yeah. So true. Imagine a therapist trying to do therapy with both of us. Like at once. Like we're in a room together for therapy. Awful. Oh my God, we could. <gasps> Podcast idea. We get a therapist to come on. So we get a licensed mental health professional. <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah, I'm not paying for that. But if you want to pay them to do that, go ahead. I'll show up. <laughs> I think it's a great idea for one. Okay, but like, I'm kind of scared of going to therapy. I am too. That's why I don't do it. Even though I really should. If anyone should in my life, it's me. Yeah. but like I need it more than my friend Dylan. And she just dyed her hair red a few days ago in class. Oh, we love that. See, but okay. But like, I'm not scared of therapy in the sense of like talking about myself or stuff like that. Be like, I do that a lot. So, but like, my fear is that like, I say dumb stuff sometimes that I don't mean, like dark things that I don't mean. It just, I say it. But my fear would be that like, I wouldn't, the therapist would not know me well enough to know that it's a joke and I would get reported. For oh, the get managed. See, that's the thing. That's, that's so my fear. I have known for years how to talk around. I know by heart the mentor reporter speech. I'm just telling you this because I have to. I am legally a mandated reporter by the state. Um, that's not the exact one, but yeah, I've been told that since at least like sixth grade. So yeah, I know, I know how to talk around it. You have to, basically the, the baseline is, cannot be a clear and present danger to yourself. Yeah. As long as no, you I know what you mean. Feel like, I, just, I feel like when we hit like the, like in an hour long, was we hit like the half hour point or something, if I'm on a roll talking, it's just going to slip out. Yeah. 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 No, it's impressive. I went 11 years of school without getting mandated reported and senior year second semester I did I did not know that literally nothing came of it though it was on a Friday I just like chilled it was more of a technicality thing than anything yeah I just didn't know that that's all I hope you enjoyed us ranting about our favorite music and musicals I hope that you guys check out all the songs and like albums that we suggested just a reminder that we are making a playlist that has all of the albums that we talked about today and we hope that you like a 10 hour playlist yeah it's gonna be a long ass playlist but we hope that you join us in two weeks for another one of our social hour episodes where we just catch up thank you guys so much for listening thank you bye